0: Welcome to Pathfinder Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Good morning, class. You may be seated. Today's lesson is on the Weiyang race. is part of a race overview series where we go over all the possible player races, and right now we're on the uncommon races. Christian, I'm actually completely unfamiliar with the Wei Yang. Do you have any experience with them? Uh, I had one player play a Wangang once, and in preparation
1: for the show, again, I googled and looked at the first paragraph of Wikipedia. Wangang is actually a Javanese term, Java being a uh, island of Indonesia. Wangang means basically theatrical puppet. Colloquial hmm. term for theatrical puppet. Alpha means, like, um, can also be used to not just uh, theatrical puppets, but sometimes also shadow puppets can be used. Um, so that's where this is coming from. This is actually an Indonesian thing. I don't know if there's actually, like, lore or fairy tales behind them, but it's mostly just, like, these puppets.
0: Did you say shadow puppets? Yes. Because these guys are super connected with the shadow, Christian. Wangs are a race of small supernatural humanoids who trace their ancestry to plane of shadows. They're gaunt, have a pixie-like stature, and skin the color of deep shadow. However, the illustration here has them with a whitish-gray skin. That's because they bleach their skin. They, these, these are people of rituals, and they believe that in death, their bodies will return or will go to the plane of shadow, and they a lot of their culture evolves around this. Uh, I, should, I guess evolves and uh, revolves.
1: It's a really interesting idea. I always like the idea of an entire race uh, being bound by something like a spiritual belief, like... It doesn't always make sense for all races, but in the case of the Sam Sarans, since they like literally reincarnate, them having the spiritual belief of reincarnation and liking phorasma, um makes a lot of sense. And in this case, I think this also makes
0: a lot of sense. I agree. They are adults at 40 years. They are middle-aged at 100, old at 150, venerable at 200, and can live up to 300 years old. So one of the higher, li- the longer living races. Which goes against the common theme we see with short races. Did you say short? Because they are between 3 feet 2 inches and 3 feet 8 inches and weigh between 37 and 43 pounds. These guys look sort of like... You know, uh, like they're just like skin and bones in the illustration here and long fingernails. And I'm really not a fan of this art. They've got like this long almost, you know, you talk about them being from puppets, uh, the theater. They've got sort of that long nose that you'll see on certain theater masks. And they have this like terrible pencil thin, almost drawn on eyebrow and mustache that just really upsets me.
1: I definitely think if you don't usually look these up, this is definitely a race that you kind of have to look at a picture to understand what we're talking about. Because I don't think like little shadow people really does them justice. Um, a lot of the artists take a lot of liberty with the representation of wangangs, and I actually do like them varied interpretations of what they are. They have they have a lot of diverse options uh, the artists to draw from and kind of make wangangs their own unique thing. Which you said you're an aesthetic person, although I don't really like. The general aesthetic of wangangs. I don't like tiny, creepy-looking creatures. Um, I like the idea that they can be so varied
0: in appearance. Hmm. I'm actually, I'm a little bit disappointed because I like the idea of shadow people. It's unfortunate that's tied to these guys. But let's look at their stats. Maybe their stats will bounce out. Caleb's stupid, you know, propensity for things must look good. Wangs are nimble and cagey, but their perception of the world is clouded by shadows. They have plus two dex, plus two intelligence, and minus two wisdom interesting stat spread um
1: rogues come to mind investigators come to mind at scale off of both decks and intelligence um spell casters a scale off of Int, obviously um so they they got a bunch of good options but having a 2 to wisdom is always a bad thing because will saves and perception checks rule the world
0: <laughs> i do like I, I like the idea of this sentence here their perception of the world is clouded by shadows that's really cool that what a thematic way to hit those ability scores
1: like, why do they care if they make a dumb decision that's going to kill them? Because they're just going to return to the shadow when they're all about that. <laughs> we all about that. Uh, Wangangs are humanoids with the Wangang subtype. They're small creatures. They have a base speed of just just 20 feet, which is always a killer for me. I can't stand
0: that. They begin play speaking common in Wangang, and if they have a high intelligence score, they can choose between any human language Abyssal, Aklo, Draconic, Goblin, Infernal, Nagaji, Samsarin, and Tangu. Quite the interesting spread. Hmm, yeah, where's Nagaji come from? I don't know.
1: I, I kind of see the rest of them, but Nagaji's like, what do lizard people have to do with shadow people? I would
0: love it if there was like a little, you know, like Federalist papers for the
1: designs of these guys. Wouldn't fit on the two-page spread, Caleb. It wouldn't. Wangs have shadow resistance and receive a plus two racial bonus on saving throws against spells of the shadow subschool. school uh, Definitely not a common subschool. Of spells to be targeted by um the most important one i can think of is shadow evocation uh there's a whole subset of spells from illusion uh of the shadow subschool, particularly that can mimic any other spell um so that's that's actually a very common one i see so you know it's good it's bad it's in between
0: i think i think it definitely hits their theme though oh, reasonable sure. and doesn't seem like oh no power it's not O-powered, it's overpowered. I, I I blended OP and overpowered and decided to <laughs> just shorten over to O. They have Lurker, which is a super cool unit in Starcraft. Wang's getting a plus two racial bonus on perception and stealth checks. Well, I guess they wanted something to help uh, balance out their minus two wisdom.
1: A plus two to perception is obviously good. We talk about it all the time, but this is another small race with a bonus of stealth checks. So they're automatically getting a plus four for being small to stealth. They're getting a plus 2 here, so they already have a plus 6, and they have a plus 2 to dexterity. So before they ever put a point in stealth, they start with a plus 7. So obviously stealth can is going to be a powerful component no matter what you do. Or it's at least going to be a powerful option available to you.
0: It kind of shouting to me, hey, be a rogue, got the dex, and you've got some good stealth checks and perception checks. Maybe not a good perception check, but better.
1: They have shadow magic, and they add 1 to the DC of any saving throw for spells that they cast of the shadow subschool, school Wangs with a charisma score of 11 or higher also gain the following spell-like abilities. Uh, once per day, they can cast Ghost Sound, Pass Without Trace, and Ventriloquism. Ghost Sound's terrible. Uh, Pass Without Trace is really cool. It allows you to move through terrains without lose- leaving any sort of trail that can be followed. Uh, Ventriloquism, what it sounds like, you make your voice appear somewhere else.
0: They have dark vision, so they can see the dark up to 60 feet. If they didn't have this, I think it would be pretty ridiculous for shadow people. We love the shadow. Uh, We can't say. We love it because it's all we can see and all we can understand. Ooh, they have light and dark.
1: Once per day as an immediate action, a Wangan can treat positive and negative energy effects as if she were an undead creature, taking damage from positive energy and healing damage from negative energy. This ability lasts for one minute once activated. That is super cool. I love that they made it an immediate action so it's actually useful for those su- <laughs> rare times you get targeted by negative energy.
0: Definitely cool. These are some alternate racial traits. Christian, I'm looking to replace uh, shadow magic in case I am not a caster. And even shadow resistance, I'd be okay with changing. First one is Dissolution's Child. Once per day, you may change your appearance to look as if you were a little more than a four foot tall area of shadow. Your physical form still exists, and you are not a corporeal, only your appearance changes. This works like invisibility, except it lasts only one round per level, to a maximum of five rounds. This replaces shadow magic. That's a pretty cool one to replace that. Yeah. You are um, losing three abilities to get one, but invisibility is a great trait, and it's also themed very well around them.
1: Yeah, I really like that one. Uh that was the first one, and their only one. They only have that one alternate racial trait from Advanced Race Oh Guide. no,
0: I did it. I did it this time. I'm the one that said there would be multiple, and I was wrong. They have favorite class options for the Bard, the Oracle, the Sorcerer, and the Summoner. The Sorcerer
1: one is the only one that is unique, and it's actually a really cool one. Uh, you, For every point you take in it, you add one half point of damage to any illusion spell of the Shadow Subschool cast by the Sorcerer. There's only like two options with this. Uh, one of them is the spell I mentioned earlier, Shadow Evocation, and like I said, that is a very, very important spell, because um, that's basically adding, by the time you get it, you know, free s- mm, 4 or 5 damage uh, to any, basically, evocation spell you are mimicking with your shadow magic.
0: Well, Christian, actually, their Bard and Oracle one are uh, unique as well. They get to pick one spell from the wizard, Wizard's Wizard, word, Illusion school spell list. Uh, which is not something bards and oracles normally get access to.
1: There's some weird ways to get it, but no, not through favorite class options. You're right, I had missed the word wizard. Um, those are really cool. Um, getting to add spells from other classes' spell lists, just add a whole slew of options and open up realms of possibility.
0: They have an archetype, the Shadow Puppeter or Puppeteer. Uh, which is for the bard, which, I mean, Christian, I'm glad you did the research to see that these guys are uh, from that sort of heritage, so they're trying to fit that in. Glad they're, they're, they're working in that source material. Why don't you talk to us about their feet, Christian?
1: Just how they have just one alternate racial trait, they also, unfortunately, only have one feet. Uh, this is called shadowy dash. Uh, no special prerequisites. In dim light, you resemble a little more than a shadow. Whenever you are in an area of dim light or darkness, you can move at full speed using stealth without taking the normal minus five penalty to do so. I feel like if you're already a class that cares about being stealthy, you probably are already overcoming this one way or another. Minus, like, your stealth bonus is so high, taking a minus five probably isn't even a problem. If you really care about stealth. I'd rather just take skill-focused stealth and always get a plus three.
0: Mm -hmm. I think it's one of those things where it's an okay feat, but there's so much other things competing it that okay feats fall to the side.
1: For sure, and it's not even super flavorful. Like, it's just going with the same that we've already been hit with. Okay, we get, they like shadows. They're sneaky. They're just doing more of the same.
0: I don't like it. They get a piece of equipment called the Shadow Stencil Set, and it costs 30 gold. And this set of elaborate metal stencils are used in shadow puppetry to cast shadows of highly stylized figures and objects. You can use this to add one to the saving throw of any shadow school spell or effect that you cast there's a weird sentence but you guys got me but they also have a piece of magical equipment christian the bag of shadow clouds this costs 30,240 gold that seems oddly specific uh but this is really cool it's a bag that when if you look into it you just see empty blackness however it's actually like a little pocket dimension like a little pocket um Warp to get to the shadow realm, the shadow plane, and if you reach in, you can pull out, like, these shadow spears and and hurl them at people. Uh, they call them semi-solid shards of shadow, and when you hurl these, uh, they will create a darkness, an area of darkness as if the darkness spell on a five-foot square. And you can move these shadows as move actions. So you can, like, hurl these and have four five-foot squares of shadow, move around, combine them, separate them. And I think it's really interesting. It's a little hard that it takes your move action, but sometimes it's like a caster. Sometimes you're like, I'm not really going to do much with my move action anyway. I'm kind of in a good spot. It would allow you to use that effectively. I like it. I think they're very interesting.
1: I feel like it's severely overpriced. I think this is a super cool item. But like very limiting, like with 30,000 gold, you can get a lot of powerful stuff. This is something I would give like my players would find just because I think it's cool. They've looted off sure. someone, but like going out to buy this one, I feel like it's so restrictive in its cost just to be able to make a five foot darkness spell. Mm-hmm. And by the, by the time you can afford 30,000 gold on something like this, your enemies probably don't care much about being targeted by the darkness spell. But I I can already think of incredibly cool scenarios and encounters you could make with someone using this against your party, and then when your party finally defeats them and gets this cool item, they get to use it themselves and experience it. I think I think this is a really cool item more than anything else. And it's a cool little sort of narrative. I like I like when items like this give you a nice little narrative you can pull out of them. The Wangangs have one spell, one racial spell, and it's called Shadow Anchor. This is a illusion spell of the Shadow Subschool. It is a level two bard spell level 2 Sorcerer Wizard spell, and a level 2 Witch spell. You touch one creature, it lasts one round a level, the target shadow becomes a flexible tether to its current square. The creature can move up to 5 feet from that square without penalty. Moving farther than 5 feet from the tether point requires the target to make a bull rush combat uber check against a CMB of 10 plus half your caster level plus your Intelligence modifier, if you're a wizard, so on and so forth, if you're other people... The target takes a minus one penalty for every five feet of distance between it and its tethered square. Failing this check means the target's move is wasted and it cannot move farther away. If it fails this check by ten or more, it is pushed five feet toward the tether and knocked prone. If it beats the check by ten or more, the spell ends. The spell doesn't work on creatures that do not cast shadows or reflections. I don't know why Story that's specify. it. <laughs> If the target is a teleportation effect or leaves its current plane, the spell ends. So basically you anchor down someone's shadow and they have to try really hard to get away from it. Uh, really cool ability. Uh, this is, again, something that like, I would definitely use against my players, or as a player I wouldn't be mind getting hit with because it's like so interesting to interact with. Um, it's, it's definitely heavy on the role-playing aspect of it, having to run away from your own shadow. Uh, just not particularly strong, for sure.
0: And listen, there's times where it's like, uh, we need. To, I need to tie myself to something stable right now. It's like I'm on a boat, and we're in a battle, and it's going to flip, or these hurricane winds, or whatever. Several you, you, You'd be surprised how many times it actually sort of comes up. So it'd be cool if you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to tether myself to my shadow spot right here. Okay, thanks, bye. Well, that's actually really interesting that you say that, because you could choose to fail
1: the bull rush check, and then basically never move from that spot. <laughs>
0: Well, that's the Wangang, Christian. Two questions that I've asked of every Uncommon Race, Christian. Do these guys create their own identity, separating them from every other race and justifying having their own entry? And what do you think of them?
1: I think the Wangang definitely carve out their own niche here. They're very interesting. They're very unique. Um, I think in particular, just a small ability, the whole light and darkness thing where they can treat positive energy and negative energy as reversed. There's a lot of little pieces to the Wangang that fit together to form something I think wholly new for the most part. Um, they have a really strange origin and aesthetically they, they kind of just look displeasing, which is why I stray for them personally. I'm not a huge fan of them. They don't really inspire me as a player to play something being a Wang Yang. I feel like I just don't want to be a creepy thing. They're kind of creepy inherently but it definitely gives me ideas as a GM to utilize these spells, these items and the Wangangs themselves to introduce a very interesting group uh, an interesting race, I think, an interesting culture, and in their idea of fusing back into the shadows when they die. This gets my GM juices flowing, but definitely not my player juices. Which I don't like. That sentence. Can we? Take I that was going to say gross, but you
0: beat me to it. I think I agree with you that these guys create their own niche, and I really like them. I think everything about them. I I, I stopped myself from saying because I was going to repeat it every time. Like, oh, that's very thematic. Oh, it's very thematic. Oh, it's very thematic. Oh, that's very thematic. I would totally, if I was creating one of these characters, I'd pick that Dissolution's child alternate racial trait so I can turn into a shadow. Um, the feat is really the only thing that really falls flat for me. Even their spell seems like, even though it's like situational, it seems cool. seems it fits their theme. The bag of shadow clouds is kind of cool. Eh, the equipment, not so, whatever. I'm not so into the puppet thing, but I'm not going to grab that. I won't grab the bard. I won't grab the 30 gold pieces of equipment. The rest of it, I really like. If I was going to make a shadow-based race, a lot of this is what I would consider. Uh, and if I was, gonna, I think I might want to run these guys. I really would. I would ask that like, my, I would talk to my GM that I wouldn't have to restrict myself to this appearance. I'd pick a different appearance. But I really do wish that they'd be medium creatures. That's gonna hold me back. Is really the only thing that really holds back is their appearance, and uh, which can be easily changed. But the fact that they're small. But aside from that, I really do like them. I think they're really cool. And uh, I was surprising me. I didn't think I was gonna like them based on. A book by its cover, a page by its cover, uh, by its illustration. Is this the only small race you would consider playing, Caleb? I think I talked about uh, the dwarves. Uh, their traits were cool enough that I was going to consider it. They're medium sized creatures. Well, they are, you're right. Yes, Christian, but I'm telling you that it is a deal breaker. It's close. <laughs> I felt like I said there was one race, you know, whatever. Listeners will call me out on my bullcrap. They'll be like, you said that you were going to be the small dudes from the brr burr burr." Listen, if Tingle was a creature, or if it was a race, I'd be Tingle from Zelda. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. year old, A 40-year-old dressed up as a fairy, floating oh. around making maps. I'll Christian, all... I'm going to float around and I'm going to make maps. A whole race of 40-year-old fairies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fairy people, because they want their fairies. It's two separate things, Christian, come on. Uh well, Christian, this ends our uncommon section of the uh, the um our race overview series. However, the series isn't over. There's actually a good number of races left. There's 19 more races. You see, when Pathfinder came out, there was really only the core races, really. And books came out that added them, I think some soft covers, but really it was the beast journeys. Beast would come out and it would introduce a, a new race. For example, the catfolk those, that is a race that came out originally in a bestiary, and it gave you just a small little sh- section, not much at all. And then, of course, the Advanced Race Guide came out to really codify these and make there so much more. Then bestiaries came out after this book, and there's been no Advanced Race Guide too. So each bestiary that's come out since this, which is 4, 5, and now 6, have introduced new races. So we're going to go over them. And they're actually – these are the really sort of outrageous, interesting new races, uh, ones that can vary from super reasonable to – I don't know. I think you're really going to have to talk to your GM. They seem a little bit powerful. And it's going to be fun to go over these guys. These guys are going to be very, very short episodes though. These episodes that you're not listening to have been what, like 25 minutes max uh, and they had a two-page spread. Races that are in the bestiary have a quarter-page spread. There's a whole page for them in the beast sherry because it gives you like a cr one half if they had one class level but then it gives you a little thing for what if you're going to run a character of this race and that's only a quarter page so we'll be talking about those very quick episodes uh very brief but we'll just throw that content in and it will be substantial with content just not long uh but i want to make one little note at the end of this book here there is a race builder, which is something we're gonna go over later. We plan on doing a whole series on alternate rules that are introduced in the official books, and we'll talk about the race builder, and eventually we're gonna talk about some of maybe the races we've made ourselves, but that's not gonna be part of the advanced the race overview series. But in the end of this book here, there is a couple races that they made that they later codified into the bestiaries that they sort of changed and balanced. So for example, the next ones we will be doing, the Gathlane, lane were built at the end in the builder here but they released them in Bestiary 4 in a more official capacity, a more balanced capacity. But there are some races they never did re- officially, re- officially republish. That's Centaur, drider, Gargoyle, Knoll, Lizardfolk, and Ogre. These are all in the back of the book here that we are not really going to cover because Paizo had decided that they weren't good enough to actually make as player characters in their official published materials. And i got to say, though... I want a no player. Come on, get it for me, bro. But speaking of what we want, at the end, we are going to ask uh, ourselves, what are some races we'd like to see? What if there were an Advanced Race Guy 2 came out? What races would we like to see? So at the end of all this, we're going to talk about that. And then when a new bestiary comes out, we'll continue to introduce the races that were introduced in those bestiaries. So that's what's going on with the future here. I hope you guys enjoy these episodes. I hope you've enjoyed the the journey so far. What has been your favorite race so far? Please let us know. Uh, You'll hear my good friend Nick at the end of the the episode will tell you how you can get in contact with us. But for now, thank you all for listening. Class is dismissed. Pathfinder Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network. For other great Pathfinder podcasts, visit our site, tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? you can email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tblazernetwork. I've been Nicholas Laborde. Thanks for listening. Oh, hey, didn't see you there. My friend Christian and I were just playing some role-playing games. Hey, Caleb, do you think these guys would be interested in joining us? You know, I bet they would. I mean, if they listen to Pathfinder Academy, they gotta be cool, right? If role-playing games are your thing, why don't you guys check out our other podcast, Trailblazers?
1: Trailblazers is an actual play podcast where you can see many of the concepts addressed in this show come to life. Season two of Trailblazers has been great so far, and I
0: especially like that you can get into it without any prior knowledge of season one. It's definitely a fun adventure, especially if you like mysteries and a dash of cyberpunk with your fantasy. If high fantasy is more your style, then consider giving season one a listen.
1: You can listen to Trailblazers on this very feed. We've got a bunch of other ways to listen as well,
0: so go to our site, tblazer.net, for a complete list of the ways that you can listen. So go ahead, grab some dice, and join us. All right, Christian, you come across an obviously important character to the plot. What do you do? I immediately shoot him in the face. Ugh, Christian.
1: Hey, Danny, do you want to play some D&D tonight?
0: Oh, I can't. My parrot's going to have open-heart surgery again sucks yeah it's gonna be super boring hang in there danny she'll pull through but remember when you can't play listen at tales from the lich we do our best to provide an immersive rpg play session with an ever-expanding library when you can't play listen talesfromthelich.com